Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Have a Breakdown. And it's actually our 20th episode, so let's hope it all goes to plan. I'm, of course, Harry Acton. And I'm, I think, Ali Monjak. How are you, Harry? I'm good. I think I'm Ali Monjak. Is that how we're starting the 20th episode, Ali? Hey, I think. I love the concreteness of the start of this podcast. (laughs) I'm just having a bit of a crazy week, Harry, with lots of different interviews. Um, Yeah, it it really Mm. has been one of those weeks. Well, you know yourself, uh, news weeks where there's been highs and, and lows. No, absolutely. I mean, we've had some good news and some, some, you know, quite awful news this week, really. But, you know, the main focus of this week, the big story, Ali, this week is finally the UK is doing hotel quarantine nearly, what, 11 months since the coronavirus is first in the country? 11 months? Mm, or is it 12 yes, months? When was it first here? No, I think it was here 12 months since it yes, first it in the was. country. It's taken us a whole year. 12 months ago that we were sat in a studio in we Reading. Were talking about actually funnily enough well not funnily enough sadly the first coronavirus death was in the royal um berkshire hospital yes it was it was a very weird time wasn't it to look back Mm. it's just bonkers to see where we've come from but Anyway, on, on, on a lighter note, on a lighter note, hotel quarantine is coming in from the 15th of February and the government has now been block booking thousands of rooms near airports and Eurostar terminals, you know, in the UK. Although the opposition has, has said, and, you know, probably rightly so, that these rules have been implemented far too slowly. And that these well, they quarantine have, rules they also, start. I'm sorry, Harry, but it does actually sound like, you know, roll up, roll up. Why don't you go and have, you know, a stay in a hotel quarantine? <laughs> well, I have to pay. This is the thing. So it'll mm. be about eighty pounds a night for people to come and stay in mandatory, mandatory. Can't speak mandatory quarantine. So it is going to be a lot of money for some people, but it has been implemented now fifty days after the South African variant was identified. Fifty days later. Yes, which is really quite crazy in a lot of ways. And, and the government is seeking to make twenty-eight thousand room bookings by March the thirty-first. Enough more than. 1,400 passengers a day arriving from the 33 red list countries, including South Africa, Brazil, um, UAE and Portugal. Um, I mean, I have to say there is one point here because I I do have some some other research here. £80 a night is not actually that bad. In Canada, um, when you arrive in a quarantine hotel for three days before you have mm. another test and get the result, you have to pay two thousand dollars. It which is, is shocking. Equivalent of one thousand pounds for three nights. <laughs> it is a shocking figure when you put it like that, Ali. But you know that's only three nights. Ours is. 10, 10 or 14 days. I can never remember at this point, but on oh no, it's 10 days, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, £80 a night for 10 days is still going to be a lot of money, you know. So, um, then there'll be the extra costs on top of that, I'm sure. So, it won't be £800. It'll be more like £1,500. I'd have thought by the, by, after all the bureaucracy. But, you know, that is finally coming in, Ali. Finally, 12 months after the first case of COVID in this country. Well, it's taken us a year. <laughs> but let's have some more, <laughs> let's have some good news. Um, on Friday, it was announced that the um, University of Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine is effective against the new variant of the COVID-19 detected in Kent. 
Yay. Which is brilliant. And obviously, you know, I, I shall say, you know, as far as the UK is concerned, Oxford, AstraZeneca, Oxford University vaccine is actually in-house, isn't it? Because um, it, it's actually made here as well. And um, yes, we, we've got lots of supplies here as well. So that that's really good news. But I mean, also Pfizer has got, you know, quite a high efficacy rate against uh, that particular strain as well, hasn't it? It has, it has. I mean, the Oxford one, we know it was never the mo- the highest efficacy rate. It never has been up there in the top. But preliminary figures say that it's 75%. It has 75% efficacy in the new strain and up to 84% on the old strain of COVID-19. So they're still really good figures, actually, for the, for the cheapest vaccine in the world, the one that's being sold at cost. So it is really good news that this vaccine will do something which will help us get back to normality. Yes. Um, which is probably why the European Union has... um has again had a bit of a bit of a rubbish week with vaccines. <laughs> they don't seem to be doing too well over, shall we say, the across the channel. <laughs> yeah, not across the pond on this occasion, across the channel. They don't at all. So, um, I mean, they're facing a potential 90 billion euro hit to their economy this year if they don't speed up the COVID vaccination process, a study has found. The EU governments are under fire over a slow start to vaccinations in the bloc, with critics pointing to progress made in the UK, Israel and the United States. There's evidence of a planning failure in Brussels. So, yeah, not good for, for our European cousins, hey? No, not great. Uh, and to reach its goal of 70% immunity in adults by the summer, the EU would need a six-fold increase in the rate of vaccinations. This comes from a study by insurance group Allianz and credit insurer Eula Hermes. So, you know, these are these are actually quite, quite big studies, actually, that have come out. Um, and at the current pace, herd immunity will not be achieved in Europe before 2022. So that's not great. So what this study has also said is that one euro that's spent on speeding up the vaccination process in Europe could avert as many as four times euros in losses. So this is quite a big deal. And the EU has recognised the fact it's lagging behind and it is pushing to speed its process up. But, you know, unfortunately, countries like the US and the UK got in early with a lot of these vaccine um, companies. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I will say that I do think that we've done exceptionally well in the UK and, you know, the US as well have done done very well um, at managing, you know, the vaccine rollout and also making sure that they had bought in enough vaccines to deal with the situation because, you know, that's that's the only way out of this global pandemic, isn't it, really? It is, it is. And, and, you know, as these weeks and months go on, I'm sure we're going to keep getting lots of lots of updates on the vaccine situation on the continent. And we will, of course, keep our, our listeners up to date. But fingers crossed, because we are all friends. So I really hope that oh, yes. Europe does start to get this vaccination process going, because at the end of the day, it impacts us as much as it impacts them here in the UK. It does. So we're racing for you, Europe. And sadly, as we know, we lost Sir Captain Tom Moore this week um, on Tuesday, which was very sad. At the age of 100, he actually did die of COVID-19 and has raised probably about £33 million for the NHS. Such a marvellous, amazing man who brightened up our day, our national hero. And so we're going to be having a few words from Claire Allergy, who was actually his former physician at the Cranfield Surgery in Bedford and knew him before he became our national hero. 
And she always said that he was just such a ray of sunshine. So rest in peace, Sir Captain Tom Moore. The whole surgery knew him. Like whenever he came in, everyone was like, oh, Tom's in the waiting room. So everyone would make an effort to go and say hello because he was literally, how he comes across in the media, he is that level of sunshine personified. Um, yeah, and then I, I got more involved with him when um, he, he needed a review for the spot on his head that the nurse found. Um, and I, I sorted him out for that one. He's just so thoughtful. I, he used to have lots of chats with uh, Nurse Claire about uh, the Formula One because they're both big fans. Um, he knew that chocolate orange was a favourite chocolate of mine. So he would often bring in a chocolate orange in case we didn't get to have our lunch breaks because quite often you just work through lunch. Um, and So he'd come in with a chocolate orange just to say, this is for you in case you don't get your lunch. I know this sugar rush will keep you going. Just, just the best guy, basically. So, yeah, and then obviously, you know, he turned his caring talents, didn't he, to raise all that money for the NHS yeah we, we remember him sort of talking about it and we were saying oh, that's a really cool idea um you know we're like, don't overdo it though like <laughs> but he's done amazingly well um and he's always said you know it's because he's so appreciative of everything uh, we did for him and the wider NHS as well because he had a wonderful experience with his hip-hop as well so yeah, it was just an amazing thing. And I can't believe how far it's gone, actually. And, you know, Ali, that was such a lovely interview with Claire that you did back in 2020. And it, it was very sad news. So we're going to try and move on to something a little bit lighter now here in the UK, which is a very important topic that we have spoken about numerous times in the podcast and actually before in our in our other jobs we used to do, which is about mental health. And actually this week, uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson actually appointed Dr. Alex George, who you may know. He's quite a quite a famous doctor in the UK. He is. He's on um, yeah. Good Morning Britain quite a lot, isn't he? He often pops up on um, ITV's Good Morning Britain, absolutely. But he is mm. now going to be the Youth Mental Health Ambassador for the UK, which is is a new role. And it's good to see the government doing something about mental health and actually raising awareness about it because it's often overlooked. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think this is so important, vital right now. I mean, I, I've actually done uh, an interview this week with Dr. Dean Burnett, who is actually a neuroscientist and he's just released his book. This is not a plug, but, you know, he's just <laughs> released his book, um, Psychological, about mental health issues, you know, such as anxiety and depression. And he was just saying as well, um, you know, if this whole global pandemic has been a serious effect on everybody's mental health um, and how we deal with it, you know, as as a tool. So um, you know, we need to try and deal with it. And, you know, children are so affected because they really, really, you know, are used to being at school and being with their friends and colleges and universities and you know as you know Harry I've got got children in both settings and I just think you know it's, it's very sad isn't it that you know they're not really experiencing life how they could no I mean I do I do feel for them having finished university in 2019 I feel extremely blessed Ali to have finished the year I did to you know to have my graduation and everything and to finish school when you know we could go out to the pub and meet friends and stuff I do feel like that whole generation is missing out on that 
Um, which, you know, is part of the reason why the government's done this. It's part of its plans to build back fairer from the pandemic and to ensure old children and young people, so that's all the way up to 18 or well, even past 18, to be honest, are supported with their mental health and well-being. And we know that Dr. Alex, who is an A&E doctor, has been a passionate online campaigner for mental health since he lost his brother quite tragically to suicide last year. So it's it's exciting that the government has chosen to do this and to touch on a subject which is often seen as quite taboo in politics. Um, and he will be a key advisor to the government and hopefully steer them in the right direction. So it's a really big step, I think, for the government, actually. I think it's a very good step for the government. I really, it really is. And as I said, it, it's vital at the moment that, you know, that, that there is something there for children because, you know, you know, your brain doesn't develop until you're probably in your 20s properly. And, you know, it's still, you don't have the life experience to, to understand what is going on as well. So I, th- I think it's it's a brilliant thing um, that, that Dr. Alex is doing this, you know, and, and, you know, for once, hats off to our PM, Boris Johnson, for appointing him, um, you know, so that he can be an ambassador as well for mental health in education action groups so i think that's brilliant yeah and at the end of the day to sum up the goal the government's kind of put in place it is to um to improve the government's policy on for support for young people in schools colleges and universities and you know that that policy has come under quite a lot of criticism in recent months and indeed years in fact so you know there there is there is hope there is hope and they're also playing with his huge social media following they're hoping that that will help boost what what Dr Alex gets up to so it is exciting it is positive and it's a good step forward for for the UK actually to have an like an official voice almost on this it's good it's good news yeah it is very good news very positive harry and as usual guess what harry Go on, tell me, what are we doing now? We're going across the pond, not the channel, the pond. Oh, so, classic. Yes, some interesting news from our lovely President Biden. He has said that he's told Vladimir Putin the days of the US rolling over for Russia are over. It comes as he seeks to move on from Donald Trump's foreign policy, seen as too close to Russia by many, too close rather to Russia by many. <laughs> and, um, you know, yeah. it, he's also sort of outlined that he's not prepared to put up with, you know, um, Taliban fighters and Russian bounties offering, you know, a, and lots of alliances. And also he's, you know, seriously concerned about the poisoning of Alexei Navalny. So, hmm. Yes. And of course, it is all alleged, the, the Taliban thing. It's quite a contentious subject. So it's good that the, the president is bringing it up. Of course, there is no proof that we've seen. It's all alleged. Um, but he's also raised potential election interference. Again, not that we've seen anything massively concrete on that. Um, but yeah, it's good that he's... Russia's had quite a lot of criticism, especially with Alexei Navalny. You're absolutely right. Um, so yeah, interesting times ahead. But it is good that um, they've also gone back into the nuclear treaty haven't they which is good news so it is good news so yes it it is promising definitely i mean let's knock uh not knock putin too far hey no let's not and of course as well as 
not salvaging, but as well as redefining the relations between America and Russia, he's also been quite busy domestically in America. And he's um, he he, his top virus experts have advised Americans to consider double masking and to skip Super Bowl parties, which would make sense. To be fair, well, I wouldn't no, be going to a party. Well, no, absolutely. And I mean, Dr. Anthony Fauci is, is one of my faves because he <laughs> really has been on it since the beginning of this pandemic. You know, he has. And now, fortunately for Dr. Fauci, he has actually got, you know, President Biden who is able to, to back him up in every way, which is brilliant, really, because uh, it does. it's a common-sense approach, isn't it, as, as they've all said, to, to preventing the spread of the coronavirus. Yes, and at the moment it is just an advisory in the States, but they are hoping the CDC, the US Centre for Disease Control, CDC sounds so much better than Public Health England, doesn't it? Um, they mm. are doing some further investigations into whether this could be a formal recommendation to be put into law. So there isn't enough data yet, but it's something we're looking into. And it's actually something I have heard over here, to be fair, from some of my friends and family in medical circles that are advising on double masking. So I can look double as ridiculous. But it is interesting that America now looks like it is almost going to be leading the way soon on on COVID issues. Yes. Which takes a massive step forward from where we were this time a year ago when the former president was acting like nothing was wrong. Well, we do you know what? It's, it's very refreshing. I mean, we are across the pond, but, you know, they they are our um, American cousins. And, you know, I, I really just feel that it, it's brilliant that, you know, America are finally on board with it all and that we're not alone as as the um, one of the leading countries that's dealing with the coronavirus. No, it is good. And as we know, the American vaccine rollout is is progressing. It is it is um, picking up speed slowly but surely. You know, they're doing a pretty good job, as are we. So it is very, it's a very strange feeling that we've almost seen America, you know, rejoining the World Health Organization, rejoining the Paris Agreement in recent weeks. Well, they haven't yet, but they've started to. Well, they will do, so yeah. They will do, exactly. It's, it's, it's good to see this pandemic taken seriously, and it will influence other countries we know that america is one of the most influential countries in the world so to see these things happening in the states is very good because it means that certain governments like ours might start taking it a little bit more seriously <laughs> not that they're not taking it seriously but you know what i mean um to a high level anyway yeah so yeah no absolutely i think you know we're, we're getting there harry i mean we can all see light at the end of the tunnel now can't we I mean, look at how many vaccines can. we've we've rolled out in this country. It's nearly 11 million or just over, isn't it? It's it's getting there. It's getting there. So it is, it is exciting. And, you know, it, it's lovely. It is. I, I love to I hate to say this word. It is lovely to see a president being proactive. It's a good feeling, Ali. <laughs> it's Democracy a good feeling. is here to stay. And it's now time, Ali, for our, our lighter news segment. And, you know, normally I let you take a lead on this one, but there has been some some absolutely hilarious news Class in the UK this week. Probably one of the best entertainment, the <laughs> best things I've seen. I think it's Netflix level quality of Handforth Parish Council and the now famous Jackie Weaver as they were trending on Twitter um, with people describing it as British comedy gold. And if you haven't seen it, I have actually retweeted it on my Twitter. It is, it's quality. It is British. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It is just parish councils at their finest they're not not all as mad as this but it is just oh hilarious. i don't know harry 
I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, it is the case. I mean, you know, there's a lot to be said for parish councils. They are great bodies of people. But, you know, I I just listening to to what I have of it, it it sounds like um, things went a little bit too far, didn't they? They did. So to put it in context for our listeners, so Good this old was Jackie extra- Weaver. <laughs> Good old Jackie Weaver. This was an extraordinary meeting held back in on tenth of December. Before this meeting, there had been a prior meeting, um, the Planning and Environment Committee meeting, and the chairman, Brian Tolver, had actually been booted off that Zoom call because he challenged its legitimacy. So the 7.30 meeting was starting, the extraordinary meeting, and everyone was allowed back in, including the chairman, the deputy chairman, and so on. Now, the chairman had refused to call a meeting, and when two councillors called one, which they're legally allowed to do, they're allowed to call a meeting, he refused to recognise the legitimacy of that meeting too. And when it started, and someone tried to raise a point of order, another councillor mumbled F off under their (laughs) breath, Ali. It's just... It's just... Madness. Just complete madness. I mean, it, it it is it is hysterical. You know, it it really is one of those. Um, I don't know if you ever used to watch the Vicar of Dibley, Harry. Oh, I did. It it felt it felt it strangely. Yeah, it does. It does. It resonates. If you if you haven't watched Vicaratively again, it's probably on BritBox for our American viewers. It's it's quality. Um, do you know what, Ali? It went downhill from there, really. Um, so. Mr. Tolver, the chairman, was being difficult again, and according to the minutes which you can access on the council's website, he proceeded to disrupt the proceedings. And after asking for reassurance that he wouldn't be thrown out of the meeting like we were last time, he told the clerk, Jackie Weaver, who's from a Cheshire Association of Local Councils, to stop talking, adding that she had no authority here. He then went on to say, this meeting has not been called according to the law. It's only the chairman who can remove people from the meeting. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. Hmm. But Miss Weaver had none of it and removed him from the Zoom call. (laughs) Brilliant. I think she's brilliant. I love Jackie Weaver. I think she's great. Yeah, well, I mean, he was rude, wasn't he? He was so rude. I I honestly, I so disrespectful. Hmm. Um, but I mean, do you want to take it away, Ali? I mean, what happened next? I think is even better. It's just it just gets better. Yeah, I mean, he um, he basically, after asking for a reassurance that he wouldn't be thrown out of the meeting like we were last time. Oh, sorry, I'm. I've done I've, that bit. I've done that done bit. That it was bit. after yeah. he was thrown out. It then gets even even spicier. It does get even spicier. So there's no way of stopping him from calling himself clerk. But, you know, um... I think you might have skipped a bit here. I think you might have skipped a bit. So it wasn't. <laughs> Sorry, I have. There is so much bit. happening. Yeah. I've, I've just marked it for you. Can you see where I've put the mark? Oh, for you? yes, I, I have. Sorry now. So, <laughs> Councillor Alid Brewerton, um, watching the event, said to his unidentified companion that she's kicked him out. He then yelled at Miss Weaver, reading the standing orders, read them and understand them. After another councillor called for civility, her hopes were met with laughter. It is honestly, you have to watch it. He he literally yells the words, read the standing orders, read them and understand them at the top of his voice, which then led to... um, 
Aliburton, who who said that phrase, um, and fellow rebel councillor Barry Burke were banished to the waiting room too. They were they were forced to leave the meeting. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> like two naughty boys, yeah. <laughs> and then, as you were saying about the Clark thing, it gets even better. So, Mister Tolver defined, describes himself as a Clark, and it turns out he wasn't the Clark. He just decided to um declare himself call as himself a Clark. a Clark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical, isn't it? And then, Miss Weaver's quote, I just think, rounds this story off perfectly. The chairman simply declared himself as Clark and notified everybody of the case. There is no way of stopping him from calling himself Clark. So please refer to me as Britney Spears from now on. (laughs) (laughs) This is all true. This is all true. This is all true. And it's just hysterical, isn't it? And of course, these minutes would have all been documented. They are. They're all documented, and it's a Zoom call. Um, but it's great. And then in this recording as well, a member of the public interrupts a meeting to take a phone call, and it's absolutely hilarious. Um, and then the councillors are all a bit over the place, and it's just yeah. Oh. And, Gosh. and to round it all off, Miss Weaver just said, "If it's it's nothing, if not lively in Hanforth, I'm just glad it's a Zoom meeting." She said later, with her head in her hands. I. I Britain. Yeah, I'm glad it is a Zoom meeting. But, you know, the thing is, Harry, it's, it's, it's some sort of etiquette, isn't it? You know, it really is. Yeah, it, I, it would never have happened in real life. I don't think anyone would have had the no. the front. No, and it's just it's it's just the digital age. And I, I know this is six minutes of your life, people, we have just started talking about a council meeting for, but it is absolute comedy mm. gold. It is and comedy it's, gold. It's, made national headlines this week and if you've not watched it yet the best bits are on youtube it's 18 minutes long oh my god it's brilliant it's it is absolutely brilliant. brilliant definitely <laughs> um perhaps on that note Ali, maybe we should let our lovely listeners go after talking for six yeah, minutes about no, council meetings <laughs> in the entertainment section yeah, yeah. well no i mean it, it is good entertainment so enjoy people enjoy so yes so, you know, if you want to get in touch, you can get hold of us on at Breakdown With Us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And Harry, where else can they email us? Oh, they can email us on, well, there's many emails you can email us on, but the best one is breakdown at forthenow.co.uk. Um, we always love to hear from you. We do reply wherever possible. It's not we always do. possible, but we no. do appreciate... Um, you know, we do love you good. listeners we do we absolutely do. Do. so keep <laughs> keep listening if you've got some some stories to send us do send us i know quite a few people do send me stories so brilliant thank you um yeah. and even send us the funny ones i mean maybe you've got your own parish council down the road you you've got some strange goings on i think i think i might be looking into one already i've seen a few tweets about i think Wincanton town council so i'm going to look into that one next and see what that was like um but yeah thank you again for listening on our 20th episode hope we didn't bore you too much about councils but i think if you've already watched it you'll find our segment on it funny if you haven't you're probably like what um even in america it's worth watching it's just british people being british people (laughs) um so i will love you and leave you ali i'll speak to you again very soon i'm sure and to all our listeners take care stay safe and we're the light at the end of the tunnel is growing brighter so bye-bye bye